Welcome back to Raising Up Cops. I'm Madonna, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Laura Michael. Hello, everyone. Um, <clears throat> this week, we are taking a closer look at Sunday school. That's right, the thing we all grew up with. We want to look into how Sunday school looked for us as kids and how it looks now for our kids. Yeah, Laura, and you know, personally, I just want to hear more about what we think Sunday school is for, exactly. And I think we assume this is one of those straightforward answers, but more and more, the more parents that I talk to, the more I realize that actually we have different ideas of what the quote-unquote ideal Sunday school should look like. So let's take it back for a second. Laura, how did Sunday school look for you when you were growing up? Because I bet we had similar experiences. I wonder, because I feel like you, well, we'll see. So um, for me, I we didn't have a church nearby for quite a while. And so it took some time for Sunday school to begin. Uh, and by the time it began in earnest, I was a little bit too old to attend regularly. So I, um, I attended when there was classes for me, but a lot of times they looped me in to help, uh, with the younger kids and the, the like main thing that we did in Sunday school, both as a servant or as, um, as when I was attending was you know, the teacher would read off of the paper or whatever page in the book that we were on. And we would go through that page together. And it involved a lot of telling everyone else to be quiet. And, um, and that was Sunday school. It was getting everybody quiet enough for the teacher to get through the paper. And that was it. (laughs) I think I, um, I mentioned before that growing up our Sunday school or our church was really small. We had like our four or five families and that was it. So Sunday school, I feel like was a much easier concept at the beginning because basically it was just like hang out with your friends and chat with like the the tons that you love and know and do everything with, you know, and it was, it was easy. It was fine. But as our church started growing, of course, we started splitting up into different classrooms and it started being very, um, seasonal approach like you know when Christmas rolled around we talked about Christmas and when you know Easter rolled around we talked about Easter and (laughs) um you know we we learned the Bible stories the basics um I don't remember learning any of the uh more obscure Bible stories I remember learning the very common ones the the ones that are like intended for kids I feel like I don't know like you know Jonah and the whale and Noah's ark and you know Adam and Eve and those are the stories we learned yeah, um, I remember it was like, it wasn't until very late. It was when Abuna Anthony did a sermon on it that I heard about um, Belaim uh, and the donkey. Yes. Like, why was that not the first story they told us? <laughs> yes. yes. Who doesn't want to hear about a talking donkey? Like as a kid, it's, it's so great. That's the thing. I feel like I had a very, and I'm not blaming the Sunday school teachers at all. I just want to make that very, very clear because I know that everyone has to do the best because also there was no such thing as curriculums for, you know, our Coptic people. Like there was no such thing. You went in, you kind of like read a Bible story and then you relate it to the kids. Maybe if you were really um, motivated individual, you did a craft, (laughs) like that's just how things worked. But um all I know is, is we had a very superficial type Sunday school. And then of course we would work in, you know, oh, you know, it's fasting time. So it's time to fast. And, um, but I don't remember going into the depths of the feasts and the fasts and the, and the traditions. And why do we do this? And why do we do that? Um, It was mainly just Bible stories. I don't know. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is, and you know, you tell me how it was in your family, but it wasn't optional. 
Like there was yes. no option. Do you want to go to Sunday school today? It was here's Sunday school, either you're attending or you're serving deal with it. <laughs> I, and, and that's the thing. I think as I got older and I became, you know, roped into the, to serving and to being a Sunday school teacher, not roped in actually, cause I really wanted to do it. Like I, you know, teacher at heart through and through from beginning, <laughs> I loved, I loved teaching it, but I know that I was very much left to the wind and just kind of whatever you feel like doing in class is fine. Whatever you have the energy for, that's fine. You go in, you play with the kids. Great. You tell them a story. Fantastic. You know, whatever you do, you do. And I think the parents were just thankful that kids had somewhere to go where they talked about God. And I think that was really the most of the expectations to begin with. But as our church grew as we got older, things got more complicated, the expectations got bigger, and there became more of a need for some sort of structure and some sort of um, like path to follow. And suddenly like the role of Sunday school coordinator came into being, which was not necessary before. Um, and you had to like take down the ages of all the kids and split them up and it was a whole thing. Um, but it got to be very, Okay, I'll tell I'll say it this way. I know that a lot of people that I grew up with and a lot of other people from other churches had the same story. There were always kids trying to skip or they were disruptive or they did not like being there. Um, and the ones that did like being there, they went because they were too scared not to go. It was not really a gung-ho, I can't wait to do this thing. I don't know if that's an age thing. I don't know if that's true in your church, Laura. Yeah, I actually have a terrible story about that, which will put me in a very bad light. <laughs> when I, so as I said, we didn't usually have teenage, um, like Sunday school classes, you know, like a lot of the time I was serving, I was, I was pretty much the oldest kid in, in the, you know, in the church. So yeah. there was one point, you know, occasionally someone would get together to do, like gather the teens for a conversation of some kind. And I remember one time we were, in one of those conversations and one of those lessons. And you know how it is, you want this, like you want the servant to get through the paper so you can go do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But in order for them to get through their lesson, right? Everyone has to be quiet and respectful. And I remember there was one boy who could not, could not stop being disruptive. Like could not stop making comments, could not stop whining about having to be in class, just couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. And I remember I turned to him, we were the same age and I turned to him, I was like, listen, some of us want to be here. Like we want to hear this and we, we want to finish class. So if you don't want to be here, just leave. Like, you know, I like, wow. we want to be here and we want to learn, like stop interrupting our ability. And this is you learn. as a kid or like as a teenager. Yeah. We were the same age, Yeah, but that kid walked out and did not come back to Sunday school. <laughs> so I've been like, that's, so that's been my thing is like as disruptive as they are. We just got to like bear with it because I've done that thing before where I was just like, here's the line. And, you know, like they don't, they, they choose to leave. So, um, yeah. So I think that that's one of those things, like those disruptive kids, we don't know what to do with them always. Well, I remember that there was a group of kids that we knew were going to be the disruptors, right? They were going to be the ones that didn't want to be there. The ones that you had to fish out of the parking lot to bring them into Sunday school because they were trying to escape or whatever. And, and I remember the Sunday school teachers would always like march them to their parents afterwards, have a conversation, but it was like the same thing every single week. So obviously that wasn't working, but that's besides the point. But what I want to get at is that I 
here's what I'll say about Sunday school growing up for me, even though I won't say it was the most fulfilling experience. I won't say that like I learned a tremendous amount. I remember so fondly the uh, relationships that I had with my Sunday school teachers. Now, granted, I'm one of those people who loves like role model figures. I'm not like, I'm not generally a disrespectful person to older people and things like that. So it was going to look different for me than other people. But I remember our Sunday school teachers were a huge part of our lives. They were there for our graduations. They were there like for our birthdays. They would, you know, they would like take us out to eat together and things like that. And I took on that role when I became a Sunday school teacher for high school girls, I would invite them over to our house and we would have sleepovers and we would do like lessons and games and like fun all night. And we would do the going out to eat. And I gave them a place to go to be with their friends that their parents admired and trusted. So they, cause a lot of them would have like very strict parents who they weren't allowed to hang out with church. I mean, school friends or anything like that. So this was like their, their getaway. And as a result, they ended up opening up to us. They would be, you know, they had a place to go is the end result there. This is talking about teenagers though, but I also see that with younger kids. You, anybody who's a teacher will tell you, students will come and tell you the deepest, darkest things that go on in their house if they have that relationship with you. So I think if we're gonna talk about what purpose does Sunday school serve, I think that talking about Bible stories and talking about the church feasts and fasts and all of that is great, definitely needs to be a part of it. But I do think that more of it is about the relationship that you have with those kids. And I remember being so surprised at how close I was with the kids I grew up with in the church. We didn't live in the same town. We didn't hang out except for one or two hours on Sunday. Right. But once, once we all became adults, um, we realized we had way more in common than we did with many of our schoolmates uh, or neighbors. And those friendships have survived so much more and are so much deeper. Those are the people that I can really rely on. Those are the people who, when I'm frustrated, Mm. I will reach out to them because like you said, the relationships that are built, even just in enduring Sunday school together, um, those are priceless. But here's the thing. Now, can I tell you what I really wish Sunday school would actually look like? Yeah. Because this is probably absurd to many people. I, I wish we could revamp Sunday school completely because in my opinion, my humble opinion, the learning about church things should be left to the people who have learned it themselves, okay? Which is not always the Sunday school teachers in my opinion. And I do think that it should be the role of the parents to really dig deep into the church feasts and fasts and traditions and the things that we do in the Coptic church specifically. And Sunday school should be reserved for relationship making with people that are like-minded. So I do not think it should look like going into a classroom, sitting down, getting a lesson, listening to a story, asking questions. I don't think that's what it should be. Should it have a Christian theme and a Christ-centered type of view? Yes. Should it be school, but on Sundays, like the way that it's called? No, I don't think so. Here's what I wish it it would look like. I wish that churches would take more of a family workshop style. So like, say like once a month or something, everybody is learning the same thing and it's a workshop. 
So you're with your family. You're not separated. Kids go one place and the adults go another place. Maybe parents with young kids would be together and parents with older kids would be together, but like that. They would sit together. They would learn something together so that when they go home, there's a goal that everyone's working on. Because right now, and again, I feel like our, our Sunday school coordinators and leaders and teachers are working really, really, and I'm one of them, working really, really hard to make things go well. But like my daughter is learning something. My son is learning something. I'm learning something during the sermon and they're all different. None of it is connected. And it just feels like a, a lot of upkeep for different things. I wish it was more of a family style learning experience because then it becomes part of your family life. Oh, remember when we learned about this thing and, oh, this is our verse for this week. We all need to repeat it every day. We all need to learn it. That's what I wish. That's, that's my ideal. What about you? Well, that's a brand new idea to me, except that Shireen often talks about that. So we had a guest a while ago, Shireen Marcus, and she yes. always talks about how we need to make the parents more partners than we, mm. than we currently are. Um, I do feel like there is a role for the education portion. Um, like, for example, we do need to learn the theology of the church. We do need to learn the fast and the feast. But I think what I'm hearing you say, Madonna, is if it's the parent's job truly to get the spiritual education to the kids, then the parents have to be equally equipped, right? Like, yes. Even if we learn these things when we were younger, we don't always know how to present them to kids. So I love your vision because it would mean that we are teaching the parents the thing that they that they need to teach the kids. And we're at the same time, we're giving the kids, you know, like their first taste of it. Um, I know that for me, many of the things that I learned about God, I learned as a servant, not as a mm. student, you know, having mm. to prepare a lesson on something taught me more about it than sitting, mm. sitting and like absorbing it. So mm. having it be a workshop where they're all working together on the same goal Sounds really beautiful. It, and I, I, you know, the thing is, is I'm not saying to get rid of Sunday school. I just am saying that Sunday school needs to be more of a opportunity for fellowship between the kids, socializing with people that believe and do the same things that they do, because that's a tough life for Coptic kids in, in Western culture, right? That's the reason that we wanted to start this whole podcast. There's so many differences between the way that we believe and do things and the people than our Western counterparts, which we are living among right now. And I think that having that camaraderie, having that relationship building with people that you're like, even when I leave them on Sunday, I know that I have them in the back of my mind. I have them to go back to, to, to commiserate with or to you know, compare ideas with. I think that's the kind of thing that kids are actually seeking. And then the education of the Bible and of the church should be a family affair. Um, and going to liturgy is great. It's a great start. But we've all, we all know that you're not like outside of the readings, there's not much um, new information about things that I wish we would have. So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, my, my style is always to find the problems and things so that I can start. Yeah, no, problems. I like it. It's good. So thinking, so I'm thinking a little bit about how not all family dynamics are mm -hmm. as, you know, as lovely as ours are. I know I've been in situations where the parents are just 
criticizing the kids endlessly in front of us. And I, I actually, you know, there's a blessing in that, that that's something that's always lacking in Sunday school. We don't always know what they're going home to. Exactly. Um, and we can't always guide the parents in, in small changes to make, to improve their relationship with their kids. Whereas if we did have them all sitting together, then we would, it would be like, ding, we need to watch out for um, the relationship between this kid and her dad, because mm. they have a very critical friction going on that needs addressing or, um, or things along those lines. And the other thing that I considered is how easily like, like adults get bored. Um, adults are way less open to learning new things generally than kids mm. are. Uh, I don't think it should be that way. That's not my life philosophy, but <laughs> right. <laughs> trying to be realistic about other people not being as um, excited to learn as I am all the time. Uh, but I think that also ups the, uh, what's the word? Like ups the expectations for servants when they're preparing. Now we are not preparing, you know, for kids who don't really like matter, quote unquote, right. like whatever they, whatever they absorb, they absorb. We are creating something for a whole family. Um, and that's I why I, I think realistically, it could not be a weekly thing. Realistically, it would be more of like a monthly thing. Mm. Um, and then weekly, it would be the, the kids fellowship thing, you know? Um, but I just feel like it, it, I mean, I already said this, I just feel like it needs to be more of a family affair, not a, not a separation, not a, you do your thing while I do my thing. And I realize that some pe people, obviously there's a lot of logistical things that would need to be worked out, right? Because there's some parents who have a range of kid ages. So you're not going to want a teenager and a, you know, two-year-old learning the same exact material. But I do also think that it is possible for them to learn the same thing and take different things out of it, you know? And even again, to mention Shireen, she even does this with her curriculum, which is that cyclical idea, which when I learn about the story of even the most basic, you know, Jonah and the whale as a kid versus when I learn about it as a teenager versus when I learn about it as an adult, I am learning a different part and getting a different lesson out of that story each time I hear it. It's not the same thing every time. And I think that I, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, Obviously, this is a big, big dream and it would take a lot of coordination. But if I had to choose my ideal way of doing Sunday school, that is how it would be. It would be school for the whole family. Um, but I don't know, Laura. What would your ideal Sunday school look like then? That's my idea. What, what is your ideal Sunday I'll get school? to that in a second. Okay. But, I, but to respond to what you're saying, I think that a lot of times we are so scared to throw out the rule book and try something new mm. that we really um, paralyze ourselves. You know, they're, they're just, we have this tendency to lean into our comfort zone and into whatever's comfortable. It's more comfortable for me to go get coffee and let the kids go to Sunday school. It's more comfortable for me to go stand with the men and talk about CC in the parking lot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and I think, you know, there, our church is deep and rich in tradition. And I love that. But I think sometimes we let that bleed into everything else. And we think everything is steeped deeply in rich tradition. Like Which, which <laughs> is a thing. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm going to toe the line here because what I, I don't mean to get rid of certain things that are like law in the church. But I do know that a lot of us have the philosophy 
okay, let me put it this way. One thing that I learned is just because we've done it a certain way forever does not mean it is the best way to do it. Just because it's always looked that way does not mean that is the right way. And I think that just like with our kids, and as I talked about last time, I used to have a certain way that I went about Sundays with my kids. And now they're older and that way is not going to work anymore. So I have to change. I have to raise my expectations. I have to change the the manner of which I, I go about doing things. Things have to change naturally because we are not static. We are dynamic human beings. And so I think that sometimes some things like Sunday school is one of those things where there's room to play. There's room to test and try and fail and try again and, and do new things and, and break the norm and break the mold. I feel, and I feel like we're, we're about that time that we may need to revisit what it looks like. Yeah. And I, I think about, you know, Habib Gerges, who's now a saint, Saint Habib Gerges. And the, the, I can't imagine, I mean, I need to go back and like really read the book, but the struggle that he went through to implement Sunday school, to change the minds of people who thought kids didn't need to learn about God and theology and, and so on, you know, he, they, who thought that this concept was, you know, this concept was completely foreign, was literally foreign, was brought in by foreigners. Um, And to see that, no, like you can adapt a new idea, you can implement it, you can, it can be super successful. I mean, there are generations um, who are raised on Sunday school who are in the church. And I think that, I think what you said is perfect. It's, we're in a new era, we're in a new place the relationship in um, in families has changed from the way it was mm-hmm. before. To, like mm-hmm. traditional roles have changed, and so I think that there is a lot of room for, like you said, like for play, being playful with the way we approach things, um, as long as things are holy and in the light of God, and leaning right. towards becoming um, what God intends of us. Right? There's no reason to be stiff about everything all the time. I mean, people are stiff about which door they walk in at church. So I, I'm, this is, this, this story is like hilarious and sad to me, but also I've heard it that it's happened in multiple places, multiple times where people for a big event, they'll have ushers and they will tell people to walk through this door and not this door. And there will be like an altercation because people are so used to walking into door A that if you ask them to walk into door B, they will literally punch a kid in the face. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Laura. And I wish we were just, we understood that like, it's okay. Like not everything is dogma. Yes. <laughs> door yes. A is okay. Door B is okay. And it's what we're doing today. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of things, Laura, that we hold on tight to. And you know what, as I get older, I might be one of those people. There might be things that I hold on tight to that I'm like, please do not take this away from me. This is, this feels nice. Please do not make me feel not nice. Um, but when it comes to our kids, I think we're all pretty, not all, but I would say 90% of us are equally focused and that we just want them to succeed in, in life and succeed in church and succeed heavenly gains. We want heavenly gains, right? Because, you know, what, what was that quote that I heard? Um, Oh, we're preparing them for heaven, not Harvard. That's what it was. <laughs> heaven, not Harvard. So, and as much as academics and all of that is really great, but like our goal really, what we're ideally is heaven. And so I think that there's a lot of things that we do that I think could deserve a second look. Um, 
So here's what I want to share with all of our listeners today. We know that every um, church, every location, every family looks different. We know they have different needs. But if you're in a position where you have say, or if you're in a, which we all do, if you're in a position where you are noticing things about where you are, you don't have to take a back seat and wait for something to happen. If you are seeing a problem and you can find some sort of solution that you think you can make work, step up, you know, step up, talk to the people that you need to talk to, take a role, jump in, find a way to fix it or to change it. And if you get that, because we know that, you know, most of us are in diocese that we have to talk to bishops and things like that and get permission, get a couple of people that agree with you and, and see what changes you can make. I think it deserves a second look sometimes to be brave and to do things that move us forward instead of being in the same place. Yes. If you have new ideas, you can implement them. And I think that's my life philosophy now. Uh, if you have a good idea, make it happen. And we're all here for it. <laughs> yes, we're all here for it. And report back because we all want to hear. <laughs> and so we just wanted to let you guys know that be encouraged. We're all facing different dilemmas. We're all facing different things. But we have it in our hands to make the changes that we need to make and to make Sunday school specifically something that works for your church and the people in it and for the families that attend. Um, and so with all of that being said, we just want to say thank you so much again for joining us and faithfully joining us on each week's episode of Raising Up Cops. You can find us at raisingupcops.com or email us at raisingupcops at gmail.com. And we look forward to being with you again next time. Raising Up Cops is a podcast hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lowendi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Church or its hierarchy. These are purely our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, please email raisingupcops at gmail.com or post on the Coptic Dad and Mom Parenting Community on Facebook.